The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? This is the Punt and Pass Podcast. Touchdown, baby! Now, here are your hosts, two-time All-American punter Drew Butler. Mark Rick would like Drew Butler to hit it a mile in the air. And he did. What a kick. And the SEC's career leader in touchdown passes and completions, Aaron Murray. Touchdown! In stride as he crosses the goal line. Put it right on his hip. What a throw. Now, with the latest from around the SEC and the world of college football, it's the Punt and Pass Podcast. Get to the house, sideline! Pylon! Touchdown! And the dogs are on the board first. Victory is mine. Yeah, surprisingly, I've been lame. Welcome into the Punt and Pass Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Butler, joined as always by my co-host, Aaron Murray. Week 10 is in the books for the 2019 college football season, and there was a big-time top 10 clash down in Jacksonville that we will break down right away be sure to follow us on social media at punt and pass on twitter and instagram aaron is at aaron murray 11 and i am at drew butler 13 murray i'm talking about the world's largest outdoor cocktail party georgia ranked number eight beat number six florida 24 to 17 a huge game for jake Fromm. a huge game for kirby smart georgia takes the lead in the sec east now positioned to head back to atlanta for the third straight year yeah it was an awesome football game it it, it was a um I said at the beginning of the week, it would be a game that it's going to be a top three game of the season for the SEC, especially because what it means. I mean, this team now has a a full-on ability to get to Atlanta. I think it's an 85% chance at the moment to win the East. And it's not all super, super easy. I think we said it last week as well. Florida won. There's a good chance Florida would go on and easily make it to Atlanta. Georgia still has some obstacles in their way. Missouri this week, you don't know what Missouri team is going to show up. Uh, obviously A&M, I think is a good team playing really well right now. And then at Auburn's going to be tough. So you feel good, obviously being in control. That's the number one thing that you always want in the sec, whatever conference you're in, be in control of your own destiny. And right now Georgia is Florida. Isn't they're going to be hoping and praying that Georgia somehow finds a way to lose two games uh, of these next three sec games. So we'll, we'll dive more into those as they come, but awesome football game. I think Georgia uh, really did a great job of, of just shutting down some some critics and, and maybe even including myself about can this offense move the football effectively down the field and it starts with the offensive line. I just want to go first with those guys. Yeah. I mean, and they said they showed it over and over and over again. Jake had all freaking day to throw insane. the football. I mean that is incredible. He's back there. And he, you know, he does his little th- that turn. I just wish he'd stop doing that this, turn. I mean, how subconscious is that though? Because I know I, he's not even thinking about it. He must have been turning it. His wrist is going to be sore as hell because he's about right? ten seconds in the pocket every time, just turning it, turning it, turning it, turning it. Uh, but listen, that O line uh, went on a little bit better and better. Uh, but the pass game, I mean, tell you what, they Jake maybe a handful of times was flushed out of the pocket or had to move. And even then, it still wasn't like it was, you know, one second. It was still two and a half, three seconds, and then go. So 
Big props. If I had to give an award for that game, offensive line, you guys deserve it. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And the third downs were really the story of what was going on throughout the first half. Georgia, I think, opened up the game five of six on third down. A lot of them third and long as well. Everybody jokes about third and Grantham, but I saw a great article today calling it third and from because he had all that time back there and he was able to kind of go through his progressions and deliver the ball to move the sticks. Georgia was able to do that, stay ahead of the chains. And that made a huge difference in the first half. Well, Jake, Jake third down passing 10 of 13 for eight first downs. I mean, that's insane. And and these weren't like the first couple ones. I mean, they're third and long and, and that's, but that's classic Grantham. Go back to when we lost to Auburn, it's fourth and forever for some reason, he just loves to drop his guys back in that two Tampa, which they ran that first third down, drop them back in the coverage. Those guys are retreating. Then you get a receiver just catching a little slant with full steam ahead. And now those guys have to figure out the angles afterwards. So it's like, look, look, we're playing great. And Grantham's good because he pressures. He gets yeah. his guys to, to bring pressure, to create some havoc on the quarterback. All of a sudden you drop back, you give the quarterback time. And I think it just throws his guys in the back end up for a little bit of a loop. And it just gives him it, – it's the same thing that happened to Georgia when he was the D.C. Yep. And it's the same thing happened now. Just do what you do. I don't know why he does that, but I, I'm sure Georgia fans are happy as heck because if you give a quarterback like Jake Fromm that amount of time with average receivers, the receivers played better. Let's We'll give them a little bit. We'll give them a, a B for the game. Yeah. They played better. It was better to have Cager back there. But if you give a quarterback – four to five seconds in the pocket average to good receivers are going to get open. I don't know why Grantham. It just mind blows me that he allowed that to go on. I, I, I'm still in the belief. If you're going to face Georgia's offense, I'm going to find a way to get Jake ball the hand in two seconds For right sure. now ball balls out now and see if these receivers can get open. Um, and he didn't. He had to help us a game plan and came back to bite him in the butt. Yeah, to your point, though, to open up this entire conversation, they were breaking it down on CBS. Florida was bringing more than five, and Georgia's offensive line and running backs, when they were, picking in, it up. they were picking it up, and they were giving yep. Jake that time. Which Not again, a lot, was though. Huge. Multiple times, it was just four dudes rushing. Yeah. Um, and when they did bring five, they picked it up well. But uh, Grantham, go back to that last blitz of the game where Jake did a great job retreating. We call it the pipe pressure. So it's two linebackers blitz and they kind of create a hole for the safety to come right down the middle of it. Yeah. Uh, whoever the running back was, I don't know if it was Swift or Heron did a great job picking up the safety, but stuff like that is what you're accustomed to seeing Grantham bring and then playing tight man to man coverage. And, and, and a receiver has to make a great catch just like Georgia did or their tight end, make a great catch. But a lot of the times I saw it on those third and long situations, it was just bring four. It was bring four guys they were able to get the running back out. Harry obviously made some terrific catches. That one hand catch was sweet. There's awesome. another one where he was number two receiver, one on one, the linebacker, and he gave him a nice little outside move, little skinny seam post or little seam slant, caught it for a first down. Like too many times it was a four man rush. I thought he should have bring five or six every single time if I was him. Yeah, no doubt. Speaking of great catches or questionable catches, I wanted to ask you about the Lawrence Cager called catch on third down. It would have forced Georgia to kick a field goal, I think, or would have been a punt, Aaron? It would have been a field goal. Okay, it would have been a field goal. Yeah. Then Georgia drove down, got seven points, and went up 10 to nothing. Now, it's very well noted that I hate football referees. I am unbiased in my hatred towards the inconsistency and underperformance. I was really surprised that that play was called a catch because on TV it looked like he did not catch the football for whatever reason the referee said he did catch it they went to review it 
And then they said the call stands. So that would tell you that they did not have enough evidence. Again, I don't know how they did not have enough evidence to overturn it and say it was an incomplete catch. Cager laid his body out, made a great air quote catch, and Georgia was able to go up 10 to nothing. What did you think? Because I know you were watching the game at that point. And man, that those are big, big calls in moments that really what? swing games. It's a huge call because you're talking about a, a six-point game compared to a ten-point game, and yeah. just the psyche of a football team saying we're just one, we're a couple plays away from leading this football game. If Florida's able to score, get the seven-six compared to we got to score a touchdown and a field goal, or two touchdowns to get the lead. So it's it's a whole momentum shift, and I hate when people say there's no such thing as momentum in football games. Huge. There is definitely momentum in football games, and if you're Florida and you hold to a field goal, you feel great on defense. You're still in your mind. Pitching somewhat of a, you could tell yourself, hey, we're pitching a shutout. We yeah. haven't let them in the end zone. We're forcing the field goals. This is what we need to do because our offense can score. And then flip it over to the other side. All of a sudden, the other offense needs to say, hey, we got to get going. We're two scores down. Like we got to change the game plan up a little bit. Um, so it definitely changes up. I don't think it was a catch. I don't know what what the heck they were looking. I'm sure fans in Georgia, what, if you're if you're a a true football fan and understand the rules of the game, you're saying. I don't Screw know. It. Yeah, I mean, because he I had his care, two hands man. on it, and it looked like the ball moved a little Dude, bit when the it ball touched moved. the ground. It moved. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's what I'm saying. It, it, I, I'm saying it's not a catch. Yeah. I'm no. saying if you're a foot, you're a football fan in Georgia. You you're not saying, oh, that's a catch. You're saying, thank goodness that these referees. No doubt. Yes. No yeah. doubt. Shout out so, Brian Harrion for his awesome catch. That was, that like was Sports a catch, Center though. top ten worthy. That, that was a hell of a catch. That was a damn catch. You know, our um, my boy uh, Zucker. Do you see Zucker's tweet? No. What would he say? Zucker's like, I'll take him in Frisbee golf or Frisbee, <laughs> open Frisbee any day of the week. Absolutely, <laughs> dude. That was unbelievable. All right, let's turn our attention to Georgia a little bit more of what they did right. We talked about it on Thursday's episode. The team with the most rushing yards in the last eight contests ended up winning the game. Georgia, 119 rushing yards on 37 attempts. Florida, 21 rushing yards on 19 attempts. That's good for 1.1 yards per carry. They had negative rushing yards in the fourth quarter, Aaron. I was kind of questioning as well. It was starting to feel that way. You talk about momentum in a football game. Georgia was only up 13 points. You're sitting there going, shit, here we go. Georgia's going to find a way to try to lose this game by one point. And what I'm saying that is Florida was not able to run the ball at all. Kyle Trask was not really in a flow. Then they started putting Emory Jones in the game. You're like, oh, here we go. Georgia's going to have a real chance. Then the first down started happening. And then Florida started to try to get some chunk plays. And I'm sitting there going, why is Georgia not up by 20-plus right now? And I think it might have been some situational play calls, most notably in the fourth quarter, Aaron, when Rodrigo would have been good for about a 52-yard field goal attempt. For some reason, they brought the offense out on the field. There was a false start penalty that backed Georgia up. They ended up punting. Camarda put it about eight yards in the end zone. Florida went down and scored a touchdown to, I believe, tie the game, or was they seven? They were um, seven points back at that point. So Georgia ran the ball great, and their run defense. This defense is for real. I mean, it's time yes. to give Georgia's defense some real credit. Well, These are some dogs, and they come to play. Well, this was their first real opportunity, and 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 we alluded to the fact that. They've looked good this entire season, but who have they faced? So you yeah. want to feel good about it and say, listen, this defense is legit. They have an opportunity to be one of the best in the country, but it's this is now your opportunity to prove it. Just like I said last week, this is the opportunity for this offensive line to prove that they are one of the best, if not the best in the country. Same thing with the defense. Now I think you look at this Georgia football team 
And if Cager can stay healthy, because Cager seems to be the only playmaker on the offensive side of the football when it comes to receivers, if Cager can stay healthy, if you continue to find the, the tight end, maybe a couple more times more, I think they had three catches for those tight ends, and the defense plays the way the defense plays, this Georgia team can hang with most teams in the country. Yes. So they get at the end of the day with all these spread offenses, it's amazing. All these spread offenses and the fast pace and the up-tempo, the game is still won in the trenches. Because flip it over to our defensive line and Georgia's defensive line, their ability to make Kyle Trask uncomfortable in the pocket, force him out of there, get a couple sacks. They were more consistent. And, and, and you asked most fans before the game, who would get, have a better game getting after the quarterback and making them feel comfortable? I think most people would say Florida. Absolutely. It was the other way around. It was Georgia's defensive line making Kyle Trask uncomfortable compared to Florida's defense line making Jake Fromm uncomfortable. And I loved how Georgia committed to the run game because it was three yards, two yards, one yard early, 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 even after halftime. Then Swift started busting a couple 20, 10-plus yard runs. That really wears down defense, and I was really happy to see Georgia commit to their offensive game plan. Jake Fromm on third down, we mentioned it, that play to ice the game. Eli Wolf. I think everybody had visions of that South Carolina pick six right before half, kind of throwing off your back foot, a lot of people in your face. It was out. But, but that's understanding coverage, though. He knew yes. it was cover zero. He knew if you play, so if you play cover zero, you're going to have inside leverage. It's a corner route, and you just got to throw it up there because the defender most likely is not going to be looking back at the ball. And that so was a great call. You got to trust exactly the line of Yep. That yep. is exactly what he did. Georgia 24 17 over Florida. Kirby Smart. Three wins in a row. I think that's the first time. I can't remember the last time Georgia won three in a row. I think you did it, right, Aaron? Yep, we did. Aaron did it. I was on that team in 2011 to start that streak. But Jake Fromm, 3-0 against Florida. Kirby Smart, 3-0 against Dan Mullen, once at Mississippi State, twice at Florida. And I just continue to think that this is a great advantage from a coaching perspective heading into this rivalry because I would expect those two coaches to be at these two schools for a very long time. Speaking of Coach Mullen, his post-game press conference was yikes. I mean, they're yeah. like, did Georgia's defense do anything special to stop you? And he said no. I would have to say 19 run attempts for 21 yards is pretty special. I mean, he obviously admitted that they couldn't run the ball. He uh, admitted that the referees made some mistakes. I get it, but at the end of the day, again, I just think Georgia should have won this game by more points than just seven. I'm glad they did. It's not going to matter at the end of the season. Aaron, they got to play Auburn. Missouri at home next week doesn't really probably worry too many Georgia fans just because of their inconsistency. Auburn game is going to have some people scratching their heads. Kirby Smart is yet to win a game inside an SEC West Stadium. And then Texas A&M and Georgia Tech, that is Georgia's remaining schedule. So probably start looking at some hotel rooms in Atlanta. Knock on wood if you are mm-hmm. a Georgia fan. Uh, what else happened this past weekend? Oregon whooped up on USC. You and I both agreed on that one. Speaking of punt, pass, and pick, I was 3-0-1. SMU, wow, what a game. Your lock of the week. Cashed like in the third quarter, over 72 is 98 points or over 100 points. It's scored. back, baby. We're it back. back. Aaron Murray is, is back, back in the full. I love some AC. I'm just going to stick on the ACC. I know the ACC like the back of my hand right now. The so. AAC. 
the AAC, yes. not the ACC. Yes. Uh, the, the better conference. Is Absolutely. Like crank it. Yeah. Absolutely. So you called that, and that was a great pick. Aaron Murray's lock of the week is back in the fold. Utah with a nice little come from behind victory over Washington. Yeah. So Utah and Oregon, collision course, Pac 12 championship. I think Oregon and Georgia are kind of in the same boat right now, needing to continue to prove that they can make a wave. Oregon, obviously, probably well, going to be looking a little bit farther outside than Georgia. Heading into conference championship week, I don't think so because if oh well, obviously if Georgia wins out, they're in. So no matter what, the SEC champion's going to exactly, be in. Oregon, exactly. if they win, it's still not a hundred percent that they're yeah. going to go. So I, I agree with you. They're still a little bit maybe on the outside looking in. I still like them right now in the way they're playing on both sides of the football. USC though, five and four. I mean, the best they can do. Is eight and four, and I don't. I'm trying. Let me pull up their schedule real quick. I'm just talking about. So they just hired the new AAD. I don't know if yep, you saw it. They hired Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Yeah, from Cincinnati because that was the big deal since I had the Cincinnati game this weekend. Everyone was kind of like blown away. It literally happened Friday, um, and I think it's going to be fully announced this weekend. But they have ASU, at uh, Cal, Arizona State, at Cal. How about UCLA can still make the Pac-12 championship? That's how insane. crazy is that for how bad that team's been to start the season off? Um, what do you think is his number he must hit to keep his job, or you think it's done? I think it's done. It's done. With the new I AD, it's done. it's done. And I yes. think the alumni is expecting that, and the fan base is expecting with kind of the turnover going on within the athletic department. Clay Helton's going to be out. They're going to be searching for a new head coach, and it's probably going to be the most sought-after job opening in college football. I can't think of another one off the top of my head. I mean, Brian Kelly's not going anywhere at Notre Dame, even though they almost lost to Virginia Tech, but – you know, you got guys like Mike Norvell from Memphis. You got guys like Sonny Dykstra, who I don't think would go anywhere. Michigan's going to hang on to Jim Harbaugh. There's no doubt about that. Um, Fickle from Cincinnati, he may bring his dude with him. I don't think I Fickle know. leaves. Yeah, Fickle's, Fickle's an Ohio guy, but I don't know. Money talks, so we'll see. Money does talk. And speaking money of talks. money, um, yeah, 4-0, and oh, essentially 3-0-1 oh, punt, pass, and pick this week. So that felt pretty good, and Murray got you a cash on his lock of the week before we wrap this thing up another fun weekend coming up week 11 has two games of two undefeated teams facing off we said it week four week five week six this thing is going to play out on its own a lot of these teams have to play each other to figure out who's going to make the college football playoff most notably number one lsu heading into tuscaloosa this week aaron that's 330 on CBS, LSU again, ranked number one. Alabama number two at home. And Alabama, an early line, is a six-and-a-half-point favorite at home. And the over-under, Aaron, the total is 64. That's under, what I'm talking about. Under 64. That's what I, give me the over on that bad boy. <laughs> I'm getting my lock, but I'm, I'm hoping for the over there. So we are definitely going to break that game down in only the way that we can get you ready for number one versus number two this upcoming weekend. And then a Big Ten matchup. Penn State at Minnesota. Minnesota, seven-point home underdog. And that total is 48 and a half points. I think that'll be a really fun game to watch. Give me Penn well. State in that one. You like Penn, Penn State. I like Penn State. I do. I've so I covered Minnesota. I know it's early in the season. I don't want to like ruin our show for later in the in the week. But if anyone wants to get horny and put some put some money down on a Monday, yeah, uh, Penn State's going to win this football game. Okay, I like where your head's at. There's a Big Ten Where's, clash as well. Number eighteen has, Iowa has, against number sixteen has, Wisconsin. Has game day announced where they're going? I tried to look it up. I saw yesterday it was breaking that they will be in Tuscaloosa. Let me get confirmation on that right now. 
Um, there's no way that they wouldn't go to number one versus number two. Um, you would have to imagine that they have to go to LSU, Tuscaloosa. Oh, we got breaking news. We have breaking news. Aaron Murray, Sports Center, ESPN, breaking. Florida State has announced head coach Willie Taggart's contract has been terminated effective immediately. Wow. Willie Taggart out at Florida State. And um, I don't want to be the guy that says, I told you so. But as soon as that hire was made, I said, what in the hell? Is Florida State doing? He is out Ooh, at Florida wee. State. So that wow, is very interesting. Fast. Speaking of um, hot jobs, yeah, Florida State will be up there for sure. There's no doubt about that. I'm not – okay, yes, game day will be in Tuscaloosa next weekend, number one LSU against number two Alabama. So what a show. Willie Taggart out at Florida State. Who could they go after? I wonder, I wonder. What's a what's a sexier job in your mind, USC or Florida State? It has to be Florida State, just because you're you in the ACC. I mean, yeah, you have to beat Clemson. You got rec- recruiting in the Southeast. I, I would have to say Florida State, and if you're a coach, no income tax. So, yeah, it's a I, big deal. But I think <laughs> I think I would say USC. The fact that USC seems like more of a traditional like powerhouse. Like when you think of college football, yes, there's probably like five teams that are like the five teams of college football. And I think USC's in, Who's in, your five, in that. Then? Who's my five? Yeah, I would is this say, is gonna be interesting. I'll give you my five. <laughs> all right, this is this is my five. This is off the dome too. This is this, this is, is off top, the dome. Yes, Alabama. Okay. Ohio State. Okay. Texas. All right. USC. Okay. I just got four. I don't know who my fifth would be. I can think of two. Right now, but I want to Michi- give you my Michigan okay. probably. All right, Michigan. Awesome. Michigan. I would say Notre Dame. Yeah. Okay. Never mind. Alabama, Ohio State, Texas, yeah. and then yeah, another you know Michigan or whatever. But correct. Not USC. Um, no. I, well, I I you know I don't. Know. I would have Notre Dame over Michigan, okay. and Michigan would be like my six. Gotcha. Gotcha. So you'd have Michigan over USC. I, I think I would. Yeah. Just in the annals of college football history, I'd have to go with Michigan. Over USC. All right. Well, we're going to have another fun weekend in college football. There's not, I'm looking at the schedule right now. Missouri heading to Georgia. That's 7 p.m. on ESPN. Maryland, Ohio State. No thank you. Um, yeah, we got some fun games coming up, some meaningful games coming up. And if I'm not mistaken, right, I said it in the show open, but first college football playoff rankings come out Tuesday evening. I believe that is yes. a fact, Aaron Murray. Cool. So we will break all that down. Heading into this week, again, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at Punt and Pass. Aaron is at AaronMurray11, and I am at DrewButler13. Have a great week, everyone. We will talk to you on Thursday. See you.